0: Hello and welcome back to Talk and Chop, the official podcast of FSU student newspaper, the FSVU and Florida Flambeau. Uh, as usual, I'm Logan Grutchfield hosting this episode and uh, today I have with me um, FSVU staff writer Erica LaForia. Erica, how are you? And And before we get started here, I just want you to tell me a little bit about some of the sports you've covered in recent weeks. I know you've kind of been been all over the place you did a little bit of swimming a little bit of beach volleyball recently you know what, what have you been up to
1: yeah um I'm doing well first of all and um yeah I've been all over the place I talked to a senior swimmer I am right now working on a volleyball piece I covered the end of the regular season for women's basketball I'm just kind of all over the place and that's how I like uh, it <laughs>
0: honestly you know the last few guests that I've had on here they said the exact same thing, you know, when you kind of get to mix it up like that. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, mm-hmm. all, all the viewers heard it here first. You know, you expect a swimming piece from Erica soon this week. So, um, <laughs> you know, I won't, I won't spoil it for anybody, anybody further. But, um, you, you know, you're definitely doing great at, you know, all these different, you know, sports that you're covering. Um, and let's just get right mm-hmm. into it. I know that we've got a lot coming up. March Madness is starting to get into full swing. And I want to talk first about uh, women's basketball, which they had kind of a -hmm. a tough way to end the season uh, last Saturday, lost on a buzzer beater to Syracuse. I believe the final score was uh, 68-67. Just a really, really, Mm -hmm. you know, tough way to finish. But it was a game that the the Seminoles largely controlled for much of the afternoon. I thought, you know, there was um, Mm – besides kind of that nine one run at the end that Syracuse went on to, um, you know, lead up to that buzzer beater. It was a game that, you know, Florida state was able to contain them on defense and, you know, especially against a team like Syracuse, I think that is much bigger than Florida state, you know, generally at every position. Um, And then I thought, you know, the FSU was able to obviously hold them defensively. You know, they weren't, you know, getting totally exploited in any way that I could see. And then they were also able to hit, you know, a lot of their shots. I thought somebody whose name I realized doesn't get called a lot when we talk about basketball or somebody that we're not making a point of conversation, but who I think had an especially good game against Syracuse was Savannah Wilkinson. I mean, she was mm-hmm. just, you know, lights out from kind of mid range. Um, she had a heck of a game and I think was really critical to giving the Knolls that cushion that they had for a large part of the game. And then, obviously, I think it got, got away from them a little bit at the end. Um, I mean, the result, obviously, extremely frustrating. But I think that it gives, you know, certainly some optimism as we focus on the NCAA tournament now. Erica, any other takeaways mm-hmm. that you have from that game? Or, you know, and one, one question that I have for you is, and maybe I haven't been as attuned as I should have been, to women's basketball this season but i sometimes feel like they're you know it's a question mark how they're going to perform from one game to the next obviously they've kind of had so much of their momentum and consistency robbed you know just with everything going on this year but i want to just ask you about those things you know what because i know you've definitely had your eye on them for much of the year um what what do you think about that am am i wrong in saying that or, or and anything from syracuse that i didn't touch on
1: no, I think you're 100% correct in saying that. It's also noteworthy to say that FSU went eight and one mm-hmm. at home, but they were two and six away. So going to the ACC tournament and playing in North Carolina, of course they were going to be a little bit shaky. And also Syracuse is a really good team. Um, I saw that in the game. I saw how good FSU was, but I also saw how controlling Syracuse could be in their moments and that That last second layup was a heartbreaker for FSU and for Coach Wyckoff. And that was just also something that we've kind of seen throughout the season. We know that FSU isn't necessarily a dominant team when they're on the road. But when they're at home, it's a different story. I got to watch the final game of the regular season when they played Wake Forest. And um, the person that you mentioned, Savannah Wilkinson, she had a season-high eight points. And um, she just completely killed it. And she was dominant on the court. And we got to see that in the ACC tournament, except in this manner, it wasn't enough to lead FSU to victory. So it's like having that healthy balance of these girls going out there, scoring season high, doing their absolute best, but also knowing that it is going to be a challenge when you don't have the advantage of playing at home, going to your locker room, seeing your fans. That's something that I feel like always kind of stumps up FSU, and that is what makes me a little bit nervous as we go into March Madness. But nonetheless, I kind of look at the Syracuse game as sort of a freak accident. You know, FSU had the game the entire time up until that last second layup, and that was just, that was a heartbreaker. It really was, and FSU had a double buy. they were waiting, and... They lost in a buzzer beater, and it was just a crazy situation to watch. I watched the game live, and it was just it was just crazy. Um, but I know that Coach Wyckoff is ready to bounce back, and they're ready to see where they end up on Selection Monday. Certainly.
0: And then I want to ask you, you mentioned that double bye. Um, I know that you've covered mm-hmm. this, this team kind of in depth, and this has really been an atypical season for women's basketball. I mean, this is, you know, um, mm-hmm. there's no Coach Sue obviously and then this team has just had you know constant cancellations you know they had a i think it was like a seven or eight game stretch where they're dressing fewer than 10 players a game Mm -hmm. and yet i mean they still gosh they had that double overtime victory against clemson where they only had eight players and then i forget Mm -hmm. i forget who it was somebody was on tomahawk talk the v89 radio show and they said oh i think Mm -hmm. fsu can definitely beat louisville and this is when louisville is number three and after the first loss to louisville and i i was like are you on mm. drugs you know what did you drop ass yeah. and i i was admittedly and then they won i was you know and uh, to be quite honest with you if that's what feel if that's what being wrong is like then then i don't want to be right you know so um, <laughs> but i i wanted to ask you i know you've covered this team a lot um Could you just tell me about what it it means with some of the challenges that this team has faced? I mean, it really seems like they've had Mm -hmm. everything imaginable thrown at them. You know, could you could you tell me what it means just for them to get this far?
1: Yeah, I've had the opportunity a couple weeks ago, I got to talk to Coach Wyckoff. And I kind of asked her about the situation where she was sort of thrown into the head coaching position and had to adjust to stepping up to the plate and leading these players in a different way than she has before. And she explained to me that, you know, Coach Sue is a Dominant force no one is ever going to take that away from her and she is what makes Florida State women's basketball what it is and to have her step back this year and coach Wyckoff get the chance to take charge now it was completely different for the players like Morgan Jones and for Bianca Jackson and other players who were going into this season thinking that they were going to have coach Sue who has so much experience and was on the verge of leading um, an amazing FSU team last year I don't know if you remember last year's team before COVID struck and kind of ruined everything that team was one of the best totally in the yeah and Yeah, and it's like so much happened. We lost three amazing players last year, and everybody was expecting FSU to not really do anything. They lost Coach Sue. They lost three players. What is FSU going to do? And that was kind of the approach that everybody in the ACC took. And for FSU, I know at the beginning of the season, they were predicted to be eight in the ACC, and they've ended up finishing number four. That was unheard of. No one thought that FSU would have ended up number four in the ACC, considering their teams like um, North Carolina State, Louisville, and we beat Louisville, you know? So it's like up and downs this season have been so monumental for building the team that we see right now. Even though FSU lost to Syracuse, I feel like that is nothing that people need to worry about because I said, as I said earlier, that was kind of, That was a freak accident loss. That's not like a loss that we really could take away anything that FSU might needed to improve on because FSU had the game in the bag the entire time up until that second. And Coach Wyckoff has done an amazing job of just being thrown into the position and making it work. But also having the talents of girls like Savannah Wilkinson, uh, Morgan Jones, Bianca Jackson, having those talents and utilizing them, that's where I think FSU goes right. Certainly.
0: Tournament. And then I want to ask you real quick here, you know, we'll we'll hear where um, FSU is seated, I believe, tomorrow. So Saturday um, mm. is the selection show for the women's tournament. Um, and so before uh, we hear from that, obviously, then we'll then we'll know what's what going forward. But I wanted to ask you, obviously, this season, I think much of the you know offensive firepower on this team has been driven by early in the season, it was really Morgan Jones kind of being as dominant as could be. And then Bianca Jackson, I, mm-hmm. I really think his, you know, her yeah. development as a player, mm-hmm. you know, even, I mean, coming into that true point guard role, I know that she had a year at mm-hmm. um, on the scout team to kind of perfect that. And I know mm-hmm. she played at South Carolina before. So obviously very talented yes. South Carolina mm-hmm. seems to be a persistent, thorn in the side of um, FSU in the NCAA tournament. So Mm -hmm. we'll have to see how that goes this year. But um, I mean, I think that her, her player development, I mean, she led the team with 25 points against Syracuse, uh, 35 minutes as well. She's been about as constant as you can get in a season where consistency Mm -hmm. has been almost non-existent, Um, (laughs) excuse Mm -hmm. me. Um, But I do, I do want to ask you who outside of them, do you have your eye on, I'm going to say somebody who I think has had some very good games this year um, has been kind of the one waiting in the wings behind them. In my mind is Courtney Weber. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I okay. think that she's yeah. been, you know, she's definitely been cracking the starting lineup more often than not. Um, she's not, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that kind of her, what she gives on defense is, is cannot be understated. First of all, And then um, Mm -hmm. on offense, she definitely kind of seems to provide a spark. A lot of times I've observed, at least, you know, when when it really comes down to it. So um, I'd -hmm. say her. I also want to see how Valencia Myers does, because I know she's definitely had some peaks and valleys. But um, I, I want to hear from you, Erica. Who are you? Who are you thinking there?
1: Yeah, I was actually about to say Valencia Myers. Valencia Myers is a really talented player. And in the final game that I got to see her play at FSU, um, she had 11 points and she was tied with Bianca Jackson and Morgan Jones, which everybody knows Bianca and Morgan are like kind of the the duo on the team that, you know, are going to give you some points. And um, to have Valencia Myers up there kind of showed me what I needed to see from her. And also allowed me to make the prediction that she's going to be a show during March Madness because I don't think she wants to go out, you know, as best and she wants to, she wants to help FSU win, but she's not necessarily going to take the driver's seat. And that's exactly what I like about her game is that she's going to be there to get the assists. she's going to be there to get the nine rebounds. And she's also going to be there to get the points if needed. And I'm very excited to see Valencia Myers and what she does.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's a great kind of way that you describe her as in in sort of a more supporting cast kind of role. But she definitely is is fantastic Mm -hmm. at the role that she does fill. Mm -hmm. And I know we've got a lot of um, territory to cover today. Erica, any final thoughts that you want to get in on women's basketball before we move on? No, I'm just...
1: I'm just so ready for March Madness and to see how this team does, especially since they will not be gracing Tallahassee at all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know that w- their fingers crossed for them, excuse <laughs> me, mm-hmm. as, they, um, as they move into the tournament in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Now we'll go into the um, – I'd like to talk about men's basketball real quick here. Obviously, they had a clunker over the weekend as well, which I think surprised <laughs> a lot of people. Um, with that, that yeah. 83-73 loss against um, Notre Dame. And it was just, you know, I don't know how indicative that is. I don't think that we can, you know, we need to be ringing the alarm bells or anything just yet. But um, it's not, mm-hmm. certainly not what you wanted to see um, before the ACC tournament. And speaking of the ACC tournament, that is stumbling to the finish line as we speak. Uh, We've seen multiple teams (laughs) with positive tests. Um, Florida State will play North Carolina tonight. And then because of positive Mm -hmm. tests, we know that if they win that game, they will play Georgia Tech in the championship. So, I mean, it has just been, Mm -hmm. again, for both basketball teams, that it has been just, you know, getting to this point has been a Herculean task. And there's really been no shortage of uh, COVID issues. So it's not it may be a little troubling as we get into the NCAA tournament. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do, I I do want to ask you, you know, I'm looking at just the um, kind of the final stat lines from that game. And uh, I mean, it looks like just, I I think the point totals are kind of misleading for everybody except say Scotty Barnes and, um, Mm -hmm. and uh, Raekwon Gray, you know, I mean, both of them had stellar games, you know, 17 points and 15 points. But then MJ Walker and Sadar Calhoun, who, you know, they both scored double digits, but that was on, you know, for MJ Walker, for example, that was on 26 shots. So, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it looked to me like just kind of a um, a really rough game shooting wise. I know turnovers were a big issue in the first half. Mm -hmm. um, And this defense was not able to generate stops on Notre Dame with any consistency all night. Um, I, I do, I want to ask you here. I don't know that, you know, we really can say, oh, this is going to tell us this or that or whatever, you know, we've learned a lot about this team and, you know, there's definitely some peaks and valleys. Um, I, but I, Mm would say, I think overall, I don't think anyone would call this game a comforting one. Um, what I do want to say though, Mm -hmm. is, um, do you think Erica, it has seemed to me in watching basketball and, and and blabbering on about it on this podcast, as I've been known to do that turnovers have been kind of one of the more persistent, you know, bugaboos for this team. Um, you know, when, they, when they're, they're typically playing quite well, but I feel like that's something that, you know, when you look at a, a game like this or a game like against Wake Forest or North Carolina or, or against uh, teams that, you know, some might say Florida State really shouldn't be losing to this is, kind of the yeah. consistent concern you know could you tell me if you think i'm ill-advised in saying that or what 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 do you think you know we should be thinking here as we go into the tournament
1: no i 100 agree the turnover situation with the fsu basketball um i noticed it in the north carolina loss and i saw it again in the notre dame loss i know in the north carolina loss fsu ended the game with 17 turnovers in the notre dame one was a little less but it was still 14 turnovers to end the game and I just I don't know I just saw something different from both of those games I know in the North Carolina loss I watched the complete game and it was a tale of two halves FSU looked like a completely different team in the second half and the same can be said for the Notre Dame game because it just kind of felt like the team wasn't all in They were coasting off of that amazing Boston College senior night win, and I kind of felt like when they went into the Notre Dame game, traveled to Indiana, I just didn't see FSU take the game as serious as I've seen them take it in the game versus Miami or the game versus Virginia when Virginia came to Tallahassee. I just didn't feel the same anticipation and the same will um, in this Notre Dame loss with that being said I don't think there's much for people to worry about when it comes to March Madness tournament because that Notre Dame game I don't think it reflects the team as a whole I just think that everybody kind of didn't take that game as serious as they should have and like you said with MJ Walker MJ Walker is a huge player for this team he's so necessary and for him to out of what was it, 26 shots? Yeah,
0: he had 12 points. To get but, into double know, I mean, digits. Four for 16 yeah, uh, that's not, you know, from the
1: field. That's not MJ Walker yeah. totals Yeah, and then two right for there, 10 for three. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it's like, that's not MJ Walker totals. And it was just, the Notre Dame game was not necessarily one that I'm worried about, but it is one that kind of showed me maybe they weren't taking this as serious as they should have to close out the regular season. And with that being said, Tonight's game is going to be a rematch with North Carolina and I just hope it doesn't look like the North Carolina game we saw. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Go. and Erica, you know? I, I don't want to be too critical here. I want to push back on what you said. I don't know that it was an issue of them not taking it seriously. I, I think that you know to be honest, I think that um, uh, Notre Dame was just kind of able to exploit some of um, FSU's game plan in particular. I think um, what I would point to is just, um, they're, again, I think the defense has made a big step up. But what I have noticed is that uh-huh. when they do get beat, it is by guards. And, you know, so that mm-hmm. was, I, I mean, again, one of the uh, more consistent stories, you know, I mean, just because FSU is a bigger team. So I think that sometimes you can get these, these really quick guards. You know, that was what we saw in a, in a game like UCF, for example, where FSU had no business losing. But that's a yeah. game where it's just such an up-tempo <laughs> offense. And I think Notre Dame was really able to kind of turn up the heat. And Florida State was, mm-hmm. again, I don't want to say caught off guard, but it wasn't something that they were able to respond to as well as they might have been able to. And, I mean, I, I just from my listening to Coach Hamilton's press uh, conferences after the game, I'm just hesitant to say that they they weren't concerned about it. Because just from what I hear mm-hmm. from those coaches, it doesn't matter if they're playing, you know, Godby High School or if they're playing, you know, Gonzaga. You know, they're they are taking this game like you know, every single game extremely seriously. And it, I, I don't want to give you a hard time when I say that, but I'm just, you know, I think that it was just kind of a... a um, game plan success for Notre Dame more than a game plan failure for Florida state. And again, I think that this defense, Mm -hmm. you know, this was definitely a rough one. There was not much in the way of defensive stops um, or defensive, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Florida state lost a lot of the uh, rebound battles. Um, I would not, but again, they did outscore Notre Dame in the second half, you know, so all things considered, I mean, this is a rough loss but I think that defensively this team has kind of hit a rhythm and this is more a bump in the road than a, than a complete Mm -hmm. defensive meltdown or something that we need to be super worried about. And, and again, I don't want to make mountains out of molehills with this game. I think we know a lot more and we cannot, we can't take these games in vacuums anymore, you know, like we might've been able to Mm -hmm. earlier in the season. So, I mean, all things considered, um, Obviously, nobody wants to see a loss to wrap up the season, but I, I think overall, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of gives Florida State more, maybe a clearer idea of, okay, this is where some shortcomings and how we're approaching certain teams might be, you know, things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, again, I know we, we've got now baseball and softball left on the schedule, so um, I don't really want to be too, you know, get too worked up about this one. We'll see where FSU is. Mm-hmm. Um against North Carolina tonight. And I know certainly, fingers crossed here, that they can avoid a repeat of what happened the last time. So, um, Erica, any final thoughts from you on anything basketball? I I do want to move into softball here fairly quickly. So,
1: Okay, yeah. Just one thing I do want to mention, though, that does a little scare me tonight, is that North Carolina did take down the same Notre Dame team, 101-59 to in the ACC tournament. So that's why I feel like we can expect a nail-biter tonight.
0: And that was a...
1: This is going to be and good. that was a strange, strange game
0: for sure. I know North Carolina yeah. went on like a 48 to four run. It's just like, what yes. happened? Like, did they just, you know, walk off the court? Know. That was one of the strangest things i remember ever seen on Twitter. I'm like, is this real? I, I, I literally looked at it was like a pair of screenshots. And I was looking at it. I'm like, is this real? Like, what, what, what's yeah. happening here? You know,
1: I'm so ready for this. Yeah, day. so it's hopefully
0: game. you know they kind of laid it all out there and um, against FSU and I and I say FSU's coming in with a obviously um, a bit in, a bit of an advantage in terms of rest, you know, um, yeah, you know, because they've had triple a week, almost six days since their last game. Now I do want to get into mm-hmm. softball, um, and obviously I might yeah. be a little biased. I wrote a feature about uh, a Arnold last week, um, but I. Yeah what a pair of impressive wins that we have seen mm-hmm. from this team. Um, I, I felt I, you know, I always feel like I write these features at an inopportune time. You know, I wrote that one about Caitlin Arnold. And then that Friday when they were in Gainesville, she had one pitch get away from mm-hmm. her uh, to lead off the fourth inning. Um, a UF player hit it over the fence for a home run. And then the bullpen couldn't really hold behind her, so she got kind of a tough luck loss in a final score Mm -hmm. game of 5-0 despite giving up only that one run. And I was like, oh, my gosh. But then um, uh, a 7-2 victory the next night, uh, last Saturday, in Tallahassee against, uh, again, a UF team that just – I think that their pitching depth cannot be – understated at any point you know yeah. this is a team that historically has just wiped the floor with people in my mind um
1: yes
0: you know when it comes to just out pitching them and Florida State really just locked them down I mean five runs off Katie Cronister in the first inning is just mm-hmm. it, it, mm-hmm. that what a showing and then last night a four to two victory against um number two Arizona I mean I really think that it's mm-hmm. it feels to me like You know, there was a couple bumps in the road earlier this season with, uh, you know, I think dropping two or three to Virginia Tech um, in that in that ACC pod. And I know that's a six game stretch in four days. That is just brutally difficult. But it it really kind of does seem Mm -hmm. to me like Florida State is really kind of coming into their own here. Um, Erica, Mm -hmm. what have what have you seen the last last um, last few days?
1: yeah watching i watched a little bit of the arizona game last night and for fsu to take down the number 2 team in the nation that's crazy but we've got to mention it's it's got to be something about this tallahassee air it's it's just crazy this right now fsu softball is 8 and 1 at home and in their last two wins they defeated number 5 florida at home and they just took down number 2 arizona here in tallahassee these girls love to play at home and It shows out on the field. It shows when they are the pitching. The pitching last night versus Arizona. It made Arizona not look like the number two team in the nation. And I don't know. FSU softball has just always been an impeccable program, but this season when they're playing at home, you can feel how dynamic they are and how they want to impress that home crowd. Oh, totally.
0: And I have you know what I will always Mm -hmm. say whenever we talk about softball is I think on a fan for fan basis. There is no group mm-hmm. of fans that is more devout and wild <laughs> up every single game than uh, softball. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really, really, yeah. really impresses me. Um, even the road fans, you know, they're they're not afraid to get in people's faces sometimes, you know. Yeah. And um, so somebody that I want to talk about who – and again, I, I, Kaywin Arnold has had a fantastic season so far. But I do want to, yeah. you know, touch on somebody who I think has kind of been – in Florida State's deep pitching arsenal has kind of been second fiddle for much of the time she was here. Catherine Sandercock, um, I mean, just mm-hmm. she started that win against um, Florida last Saturday, started the win against Arizona last night, two complete games. Mm-hmm. You know, that's um, something that I don't, we haven't seen a ton of complete games out of this team to start the season. You know, um, I know yeah. Kaylin Arnold has been, you know, she's pretty good for five or six you know, lights out innings generally when she's on her game and then have, you know, mm-hmm. Brianna enter or uh, uh, Emma Wilson or somebody like that come in behind her. But um, I have been extremely, extremely impressed with Catherine Sandercock. I think that she's kind of mm-hmm. really moving into that number one spot almost, you know, I mean, with, with, with games like that against number five, Florida, number two, Arizona, you know, I, I really want to commend her in particular Because Mm -hmm. I think that she's just, you know, she's, she's been behind Megan King. She was behind Kaylin Arnold last year too. And I think that this year she's really kind of, you know, saying you're not going to, you're not going to put me behind that anymore. So.
1: Yeah. One thing I do want to do, I want to shout out your Kaylin Arnold um, profile piece. I really loved it. It was so much fun to read. And also to know that she has that history of three years at Tennessee, which is a great softball program. Everybody knows it. Um, And her coming to FSU and making the adjustment and still playing to the same level she was, even better than when she was at Tennessee. Um, Yeah, I want to highlight your Kaylin Arnold piece. That was amazing.
0: I appreciate it. And then when I was talking to her, one insightful thing, and I don't want to say this in a way that's just, you know, I I don't want this to, to... come off as if I'm like starstruck or anything like that. The more that I talk to these mm-hmm. players about coach Almeida, the more I really realized about just how great of a coach she is. Like, I mean, she yeah. was, you know, Caitlin Arnold was saying that she really kind of the quote that she used was that coach Almeida made her fall in love with pitching again. And to be honest, I knew yeah. that she was kind of a, you know, before being a head coach, she was a pitching coach, but um i really did not you know it really seems like every player that i talk to i'm not even asking them questions about about um coach but it they it really kind of you know they they go out of their way almost to mention something like that mm-hmm. so it really does you know it is great to have i think programs like this where it starts from the top and then one one thing that i want to address as well is um she says that you know she kind of she always talks about this like player centric coaching model. And I'm like, okay, you know, she obviously knows a lot more about it than I do, but um, you know, by mm-hmm. t- treating each teams like their own, cause everybody talks about, Oh, this is team 36, or team 37, you know, we're on, on team 38 mm-hmm. this year. And, um, you know, by kind of giving them that, you know, this is the only iteration of this team, you know, you guys got to own it. I really think that that has paid yeah. a lot of dividends for Florida state, especially in the last few years. And, um, I mean, obviously, softball, um, before we get too ahead of ourselves, I think they're going to have their hands full coming up. They've got um, a game Mm -hmm. tonight at 6, and then tomorrow night at 6 against um, Arizona. And then, uh, I mean, just ACC play and nothing but that for, you know, the remainder of the season. Um, And I think that obviously Florida State is looking like the top dog in the ACC. But, again, the ACC is a stout conference. So I would not be yeah. surprised if, you know, there's a couple of games where a team like NC State or, or Syracuse or, or Boston College could kind of just come out and surprise mm-hmm. you, you know, so. Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to see how the hitting will continue for FSU. We all know Sydney Sherrill is a dominant force on this team, but also I want to see a little bit more of Danny Morgan and her. I guess this would be her red shirt senior year. And I just want to see what the hitting is going to look like for Florida State as they're playing consecutive games, consecutive weeks against ACC, other powerhouses. Um, So, yeah.
0: Um, Certainly, certainly. And then I do want to get to baseball here briefly, but Erica, any, any closing thoughts from you on softball before we get there?
1: I'm just excited to see how FSU softball will pan out the rest of this series against number two Arizona
0: Absolutely. and see how
1: they can double up and maybe get ranked a little bit higher past that number 16 ranking. Cause FSU certainly deserves it.
0: Absolutely. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I don't want to be too optimistic here, but I feel like, you know, once they can get past mm-hmm. Arizona, obviously the mm-hmm. ACC is a tough conference, but I think that it could be a little easier for them going forward, you know, just because yeah. of kind of the gulf and talent in some of these teams. Mm -hmm. Now I do want to get to baseball baseball, obviously uh, for anybody that listened to last week's episode, Gary and I had a lot to say about baseball. That was not the friendliest, but um, (laughs) I do. I, I overall, I think that a lot of the kind of difficulties that we saw from last week were, um, Mm -hmm. were eliminated, you know, especially, 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 especially on the pitching front, you know, we saw an Mm -hmm. eight inning, just stellar performance from Parker Messick on Friday night. And I think that, um, like I talked to, we were talking to Gary, and I think that kind of the um, the freshman, um, or excuse me, the Friday night, um, the Friday night starting spot is definitely a lot of pressure, especially for somebody I think who had, um, you know, who had only pitched in relief before. But I mean, 2 nothing, you know, eight shutout innings, and then a nine to four victory against um, against Virginia on Saturday mm-hmm. night, where the bats kind of came alive once again. Obviously, a two to one loss against um, to close out the series. But I think you know the sweep would have been ideal. But clinching a series like that, especially against a yeah. ranked team like Virginia, that it has a stout pitching uh, group of guys, um, I think really can't be understated. So I do want mm-hmm. to make note of that. And in particular, I want to make note of Bryce Hubbard, who I think was compared a lot to um, Parker Messick last year. And obviously Parker Mm -hmm. Messick was the more successful of the two last season, but Bryce Hubbard had another stellar start uh, on Saturday against Virginia. And I think that his, you know, he definitely cannot be discounted from this rotation going forward. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, getting him in there and, and mixing him and Carson Montgomery around might be something that we'll see, um, uh, you know, later on this season. And I think a lot of the the bottom of the order guys that we saw, you know, so um, a lot of the kind of bottom of the lineup people that we would be seeing for Florida State really kind of came through, especially in just doing things with runners on base, which was mm-hmm. a persistent, persistent, persistent issue. That we had seen mm-hmm. um, in in the pit series, it was it was horrific. Um, and but like guys like Nader DeSantis, Ben Smith had a stellar game on Saturday against mm-hmm. um, Virginia. You know guys like that, Garrett Mathis, I thought was able to you know kind of get some stuff going. Uh, we hadn't seen a whole lot of him previously. Um, the one one criticism that I do have from Saturday's game, I mean, just kind of a rough seventh inning where they gave up four runs to Virginia, all of which were yeah. unearned. I think that some of the defensive miscues that we're seeing are a little a little beyond the realm of just being comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that was, you know, we kind of saw that miscommunication in the outfield with uh, Reese Albert. And then that, I mean, obviously was kind of the kickstarter for that. So I think we've kind of seen the worst case scenario for a lot of those defensive things where you know an error leads to a run or just a big inning or something like that and that you know so we're really seeing the worst case scenario and I think Mm -hmm. if FSU can obviously mitigate the miscues first but also mitigate these big big innings that come out of it um Erica what, what did you see out of baseball this weekend
1: I was very impressed I was very impressed I kind of felt like FSU got their groove back when they played Virginia. Um, It just how Parker Messick went into the game and pitched for, I think it was a career high eight innings on Friday.
0: Yeah,
1: He I've seen him progress so much since he was a freshman on the team and trying to figure his way out on the pitching mound. But it's like, I saw something different in that Virginia win, um, specifically the Friday one. Of course, you talked about the defensive crumble that happened on Saturday, but the the Friday showcase that we got to see from Parker Messick was an impressive one, and it kind of made me a little optimistic for this Virginia Tech series that we're going to see this weekend because, again, Virginia Tech is another ranked opponent. They're number 18 in the nation. Florida State is unranked, but it's it's something it's something that about fsu playing in tallahassee they just killed it versus virginia and i want to see that momentum keep going into an away game versus virginia tech not to mention it just keeps getting harder for this team they're gonna to have to play florida then they're gonna go on to miami which miami beat florida when they were number one in the nation so it's I'm excited for this team, but to see Parker Messick grow into the player that he is and get ACC Pitcher of the Week off of that eight-inning Friday, I can tell that this team is kind of catching their momentum and going to get into an amazing spring season.
0: Certainly. I think that um, I, I think that's a fair assessment, and I also am hoping that we can avoid a lot of these midweek cancellations that we've seen. Yeah. You know, we did see um, Florida State. Um, you know, we saw a series against USF that I know that there are a lot of guys on this team from the Tampa area mm-hmm. that would have probably been particularly fired up to um, have played USF. Um, I think that, you know, we saw a similar thing happen last week against Mercer. Um, yeah. I think that we yeah, we'll see that. And then they've got kind of a, a big, big schedule coming up here um, as well. So I think that that'll be something that we need to keep an eye on. Um, But yeah, overall, I think that this team is kind of finding their identity a lot more, you know, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, at the top of the lineup, we were seeing a lot of, um, you know, Tyler Martin and Matthew Nelson, I think really kind of drive this offense. I know it it, maybe it doesn't just it's not just coincidence that they happen to be kind of dealing with some injuries right now. But um, Mm -hmm. I think that having the bottom of the lineup guys kind of come through for them when they had been a little bit AWOL. Uh, previously is something that gives me um, gives me a lot of optimism moving forward Um, yeah so I I definitely am excited to see that and I'm glad to see guys like Parker Messick and um, yeah yeah Bryce Hubbard really kind of lock in to where they um, you know to where they can really kind of find their home on FSU baseball Um, I'm really I think they're going to be people to watch going forward and and somebody that I do want to watch who Um, has been good historically, but has really been kind of not himself, I think, to start this season that I want to just keep an eye on is Chase Haney. Um, He's been kind of obviously he came in um, and I was a little bit maybe more critical of this than I could have been against um, Pitt on this during the Saturday night game where he gave up that game tying home run. And he was really kind of not he was pretty ineffective in this weekend series as well. I believe he came in on the Saturday game, too. Um, or maybe it was a Sunday game, but um, he's somebody that I want to see. I could because we know that he's he's not that kind of player on the field, you know. And I, I think that mm-hmm. this is just kind of a, a clunker to start the year. But um, mm-hmm. uh, overall, I, I think he's somebody that is we're going to need to watch as he is going to try to course correct.
1: Yeah, I definitely think this season. Now that you pointed that out, the Mercer cancellation mm-hmm. and then the USF cancellation. I I definitely think the midweek series are really going to be a challenge for FSU having you know UF travel to Tallahassee and then having UCF travel to Tallahassee it's during this time it's kind of it's a huge problem with COVID cancellations as we saw in basketball and we continue to see in other sports so looking forward to those weekend and taking advantage of those weekend series is going to be the most important thing for FSU right now. So even if they don't get to play the Florida game, they still have that huge series against Miami. And that would be a great lift up for this FSU offense. If they can get past the hurricanes down in Coral Gables.
0: Certainly. And I know that uh, if there's any team that is, is fired up to play Florida state this year, it's, it's gotta be <laughs> UF. It's gotta be. Yeah. UF.
1: Because be. we know about
0: that, that, that they, closed out uf's old stadium with that loss last year and i mean to a team like florida state you know i know anybody that's grown up in florida there's no love lost between those teams (laughs) in anything and so i know that (laughs) they are going to want to come up to tallahassee and and really you know beat the brace Mm -hmm. off florida state so i think that's going to be a particularly fun one to watch, and especially I, I like those midweek series from a fan's perspective because they really mm-hmm. just kind of give you—they help you feel like you lighten the load a little bit, you know, on a, yeah. on a Tuesday <laughs> or Wednesday night. So um, that'll be that'll be something to watch. But I think we've kind of—I feel like we've definitely covered much of, um, you know, what we needed to hit here. Erica, any um, anything from you that we haven't gotten to from anything we've talked about today or any other stuff before we uh, before we wrap up here?
1: Yeah, last thing I do wanted to shout out a little bit is the FSU volleyball team. They are right now on a seven-game winning streak, and today they're going to be taking on number 14 Notre Dame at home. I'm covering the team at the moment. I'm going to be watching this game this afternoon. So continue to support the volleyball team. They're also a dominant force leading in Tallahassee right now.
0: And that's the indoor volleyball team, correct? Yes. And that's, yes. that's great to hear because I know that they really had their fall season was not what anybody uh-huh. wanted out of that team, so I think that um, you know that is just that turnaround is is fantastic and cannot be understated mm-hmm. because I know yeah. they were a team that I really think coming out of the COVID summer was impacted very severely. So yeah. um, I'm really really glad to see them do well, and um, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you know you'll be there covering them, and and we'll yeah. get some you know stellar news coverage as usual. So, again, <laughs> this, is, uh, this has been another episode of uh, Talk and Chop. Um, uh, on with me this week was Erica LaFloria, a staff writer at the FSVU. And, again, I'm Logan Grutchfield, the uh, host of Talk and Chop and the uh, senior staff sports writer. So, again, mm-hmm. tune in next week as we move into March Madness and we move into the heart of the baseball season and softball season. And until next time, we will talk then.